working from sunrise to set. Every day get challenged. No trades or talents. Barely scraped by. Sure, yeah. So I guess what you're trying to say is I should push the record button and say something to the effect of welcome to the latest episode of the Mistakes We Made podcast. I'm really sure. Like that. I, I've Except got the for... feeling that you just pushed that button. Well, I don't is, know how. But... We're long. We are currently <laughs> three, two, one, and we. Sorry. Totally no. stole another gimmick. Long show. And welcome all to the episode number. Nope. That's wrong, too. 20. Episode 20. Uh, I think you mean welcome to Night Vale. No, wrong podcast, sorry. Another wrong podcast, yes. <laughs> uh, Alan's not with us yet. He's uh, on his way home, but we've got people with places to be, so we decided to just jump Dead. in. He will jump in at some point in time. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to uh, the number one, number two, and number four uh, placed players at the Ordo Fanaticus Malifaux Masters Tournament. Were we one, two, four, or one, three, four? Uh, I think Dan Miner was three. Dan Miner was three. He was three? All right. Yeah. Sweet. So uh, the, the spoiler alert is um, Dan won the tournament. And, Yay, uh, Dan. And Ted beat me in uh, the final round for a second, and that, that kicked me down to, to fourth. Uh, but it was <laughs> an amazing little uh, tournament, and I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, um, it was fun. I, I felt really good that I got to stay... Uh, around the top tables while I played all three of the people who took first, second, and third. Well, I will admit that Rudy actually beat me, but thanks to the weird tour tournament rules, I still won the tournament. Oh my gosh, did I have more uh, more TPs? No, you didn't, because you had a draw. You had a draw, right? I had, I had uh, three wins, a draw, and a loss. Yeah, yeah that so one I, st I, st I still think I won it based on tournament points. Because uh, I think I, I had... I are tied on tournament points, Dan. I was plus 13 differential. Right. Uh, on tournament points, we both would have 12 tournament points because we both yep. have four wins, one loss. Because I lost to you and you lost to Rudy. Right. But I think the differential would have tilted in my way, though. You're, you're better on differential. Yes. So I think even if it had been scored in the true fashion of a tournament, I still think i come out number one. It's funny because I was sort of parsing through that while your guys' game was just finishing up, and we were sort of looking at potential outcomes based on yabba yabba and, uh, and I was like, well, no, I mean, but if we look at it through tournament points, then no, okay. I was like, and, and Mark was like, the system works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. I, yeah, asked, just... I asked Mark about it because uh, it is a weird system. We should say what the system is for people. Right, I was just going to, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, this one is ranked, instead of being ranked by tournament points or differential, the first ranking, uh, the thing that, to determine who won the tournament was VP, total VP. Um, so if you uh, lost every game 10 to 9, uh, but everyone else... Uh, won all of their other games two to one. The person who got nine points uh, in every game would be winning the tournament because they had 45 victory points, even though they had zero tournament points. Correct. Or if you tied all of your games like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, you yeah. could still potentially win without winning a single game. If every game that everyone played came down to 10, 10 ties, everyone would be first place. <laughs> Everybody just shakes it, shakes hands. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> first, first flip initiative. Oh, I think we can call this now. This is a ten ten. Yeah, ten ten. It looks like just by the way it looks ten ten. I think yeah, just yeah. by the position. We're both I mean, really... deployment, my deployment. You can't stop me from getting my full points. I certainly can't stop you. Ten ten. I mean, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Good game. Let's go um, get a beer. Judge. So, Mark, I, I asked Mark about it, um, uh, and he said that the reasoning whether of it was that one. He felt it was more Malifoe to have a um, like lose the battle, win the war feeling to it, because that's kind of like a Malifoe thing. And two, because it leads to a less vicious, more kind of friendly, relaxed environment. Because you don't quite care about scheme denial so much as doing your own thing. Well, so, I did eventually get to that point when I was when it was round four, and it was me versus Dan, and I realized that the only way I was ever going to start climbing back up the rankings was to both score a lot of points and keep him from scoring a lot of points when I had the opportunity to. It, uh-huh. that, that drive was still there. It just was... Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the last, he did. He held me to my fewest points of the tournament. Yeah. With eight. Well, and who's the only person who beat you? <laughs> 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 anyway. We'll, we'll get the last we'll games, <laughs> I, I was strictly playing against uh, other, like, uh, players. Because the last three games, uh, Dan was always ahead, but Rudy, you, me, and Dan Miner were all tied for second. Yeah. And so there was, like, the last few games I was just playing against you guys. Um, yeah. And, uh, and every one of those matches I was like, I need to stop this person from getting scheme points because not because it matters whether we win or not, but because their scheme points is going to be the, uh, de- determining the first place. Yeah. Or in the last game, there was no chance, Rudy, that you or that you or I would gonna get uh, first place unless uh, unless uh, Dan Johnson like was arrested or something. Totally. So. Or totally. <laughs> If something happened where Justin came in and just hit that perfect victorious whirlwind bomb and killed everything, yes, totally held him to zero points, then that could have changed the outcomes. But yes. uh, I think with the number of points I got in my last team, he still probably would have been second over me, which is really sad. Oh. <laughs> okay, we'll so, get there. Let's just start. So we're gonna start. Uh, Ordo Fanaticus is a is a gaming club in the Northwest. Uh, they're pretty big. They come all the way from. There's a clubhouse down in Portland. There's one all the way up in Bellingham and into Canada. It's it's all along the sort of Northwest border. I don't know if it goes down into California or not. Ted, do you have any? Yeah, uh, not really. Of the Ordos? Or if it is a thing, uh, it's just a Warhammer thing, and I haven't heard of it because I don't know much Warhammer. Yeah, no, they they're definitely like they're they're two biggest things were 40k and uh, fantasy, which have not switched over to Sigmar yet. Uh, but oh man, were, Ted, were you there for the best joke of the year? Uh, no. So they apparently during their award ceremony they have an award for the best joke where people can get up and have a vote for who so people can tell jokes and then people will sort of have a clapometer for it. <laughs> but uh, the way it went down this year was. Um, all right, so we're going to do the thing we do every year. It's the best joke. Uh, does anyone know of any good jokes? And someone just goes, Age of Sigmar! And the crowd freaking erupts with laughter. Nice. Um, and some guy in the back, uh, who I think we played Geek Battle with the night before, was like, Give that man a prize! Give that man a prize! Um, so a couple other people stood up and tried to do actual jokes, but everyone's like, No, I don't think anything's going to beat Sigmar this year. And then there were a couple of... But I guess they got to be Sigmar apologetists because they were like, oh, we're going to be laughing real hard next year when it's a really fun game. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so I chuckled all right. to myself. All that to say that is we also. saw a lot of really sad Warhammer <laughs> players that were having a really good time playing the game they love that now no longer exists. <laughs> yeah, basically. And um, kept walking over to the Malifaux tables going, what's this? There's so much terrain. It's so pretty. Look at all those. Mo- how many models are there? There's one guy who came over and was like, uh, oh, I don't, I don't play any game that doesn't have less than 50 models on the table. And I was like, that's weird. I don't play any game that has more than 20. Uh, <laughs> to which Ed, being Ed, was like, well, I mean, if it was Hamlin versus Hamlin, you could probably get up to 30 or 40. Like, <laughs> Ed, just could you, so. could you please, Ed, just give me my moment, okay? <laughs> hey, so, I probably got close to 30 in our game, Rudy, when we get there. Mindless zombies. Okay. <laughs> uh, so let's start. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. I my first sure. game was against a gentleman who I played at Dan's tournament. Actually, uh, I think it's uh, Jeff. It's Jeff. Yeah. I there was like a yep. Jeff and a Jacob, and I thought, the, and there's a Josh, and there's just a ton of J names, and it was like I got very confused. J Dog. J Dog. Was my first game. Uh, I I had made a pact to myself to to close out Guild this weekend, which meant I had three two games to play with Sonya and three games to play with Perdita. I ended up playing an extra game, which opened up the option of playing something else. But I was sort of on a roll with her, so I kept going with Perdita just to give it a go. Uh, and uh, we'll get there when we get there. But my first game was Sonya versus Nicodem, uh, a match that I have grown to uh, enjoy. <laughs> uh, turn one was, uh, I had the judge pull Sonya up with Stanford Justice. Um, we did some moving forward. He moved up a dog. He discarded a soul stone. I, I killed a dog and, and got a stalker out of it. Um, there wasn't a ton of action, but he pushed forward really fast, and Sonya's got a really big threat range, so I tried to sort of kick him in the shin while I had the opportunity, while he couldn't sort of kick me back. Uh, in turn two, I score a point for make them suffer. It was the first team. The first one was um, oh, what was it? Protect territory? No. What was the first round? Do you guys remember? Uh, the yes. first was one of the new it ones. It was extraction. Extraction. <laughs> turn four with a moving target. Got it. Yeah. Um, and I believe it was distract. Line in the sand. Protect territory. And I don't remember the other two because I definitely did not take those. Yeah, because I took Make Them Suffer and Protect Territory, and he There took, you go, Make Them Suffer, yep. And he took Distract and Deliver the Message. There you go, there they all are. And Line of the Sand, of course, was not taken because who does that besides it. Dan Johnson? Uh, Four out of five <laughs> games. So uh, my, my, fir- my, first turn, my first activation of turn two, I have Frank kill a, a rotten dog, mostly so that the... Um, Rogue Necromancy can't shoot into combat and cheat low on it and then start placing blast templates. Um, but also because I did take Make Them Suffer, so I got points for Make Them Suffer. He ends up killing the judge. Or, sorry, not the judge. He ends up killing Frank. Um, it was a new punk zombie who just sort of gets summoned in, is fast, and then flurries. Um, round three, or turn three, we're going in, and Sony does a whole bunch of damage, ends up killing a punk zombie, and puts a ton of damage on Nicodem. But he just sort of rallies and, and moves back around the thing. I don't know if you end up killing Nicodem. Uh, turn four, Rezzer's win initiative, and uh, Necropunk delivers the message to Sonya. Sonya kills that Necropunk, uh, heals and draws two cards because she did it with a sword, and gets the last point for making them suffer. Nicodem moves around to summon another punk zombie. Um, at one point in time, I've got Sonya with one wound left, and... I'm sitting there going, how the hell am I going to get these two things 
to A, not kill me so I can get my last make them separate point, and B, swing this so that I don't lose a um, protect territory marker, because she was sort of holed up in this forest near a protect territory uh, scheme marker. Uh, and what I ended up doing was she was sort of last to activate in my in my game, and I was like, oh my god, I just had the best idea. I had her use her zero action that says she does three points of damage at the end of at the end of the round when she, the thing is removed from her. The status is removed from her, uh, and if she dies, she does five points of damage. So it's like either you're going to kill everything over here, or uh, I'm going to kill your things and get a Richling Stalker out of it so I could discard cards and do that, and then that put it so I had more models over there, and it worked out perfectly. Like he he just sort of let it happen. His punk zombie died, turned into a witch league soccer, then his knocker, his necropunk delivered the message, and uh, and I finished off. We ended up going 9-8. Um, I got three for make them suffer, three for protect territory, and three for extraction, because we didn't get to get into turn five. Uh, and he scored three for distract, two for deliver the message, because he left it unrevealed, and three for extraction as well. He had too many tough things over there to keep me from being able to stop him from going for it. So that was my round one. It was a great game. Cool. I'll go next. I was playing not Dan. Um, <laughs> it was Dan Miner from the Faux Show. Um, there was three Dans in the tournament, and apparently Dan Miner had beat the other Dan, so he turned that guy into not Dan. But then round one, I ended up beating Dan Miner, so he became not Dan, and the other Dan became not not Dan for the rest of the tournament. And Dan became the one true Dan. The one true Dan. Yep. The Highlander Dan. Um, yeah, it actually works. Hi, Dan. So, yeah. I so, like it. I, uh, I've got my list here. So, I had Nick Moon, Nightclaw, Undertaker, kind of my go to Vulture, Bet Noir, Kruligan, Kruligan, obviously, Mortimer's Corpse Blow, Rotten Bell, and Tish. So, yeah. So we got the list. I took Line in the Sand and Protect Territory because I love dropping ski markers. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, so he was running Karai. And Karai not Karai, but Karai. She did not make me Karai. I, uh, I did all right. I uh, took a couple Guild Autopsies, Lost Love, Datsuba, Zamu. And I can't remember what else. I think that's about it. But uh, yeah, pretty much he threw Azamu up in my face, as people do with Azamu. Um, I deployed my Kruligans on either flank from the shadows. And those two guys pretty much nailed down line in the sand for me during the game. Um, he tried to send off a guild autopsy after one of them, but Kruligans are very slippery creatures, so had no issues there. Azamu just kind of got in the middle of my force. He had a nerving aura on him. So he was doing damage to stuff, but it wasn't really affecting anything too much because I could do more stuff with Nico. And so I always made sure at least have the two models. So turn two, I only had two models. He got to move the extraction marker, so he kind of got away from my summoning bubble. And on the next turn, I was able to, with the zombies, I'd activate them and summon in a couple of flesh constructs late and take control of the extraction marker and then start moving it my way. And by that time, I kind of had enough of his stuff tied up that he couldn't get to it, so I denied him two extraction points. He also took line in the sand and uh, protect territory, so he got full points for that. And then we, two only made it to turn four, like end of turn four. So 
yeah, ended up with a 9-7 victory to me. Nice. I would have had the 10th point if we'd just gotten to that turn 5, but we didn't quite make it. But Same no, here. it was yeah. pretty effective. I used Tashiro again for the first time in quite a while, and it was alright, but then it... Yeah, I, I, I used to love love him, and like, I realize it's not super necessary. It was well, pretty when you're nice, playing, but it when wasn't... you're playing as freaking uh, Nicodem, he's he's just a mini Nicodem. If you're playing in anybody else, it's like yeah. bringing half of a Nicodem into your crew. Oh, I can no, like give things fast. That's great. Right. Like he may have been good in our game, so I could have had a mini Nicodem forward without Nicodem being forward. Mm-hmm. But. And with no, the he was all right. I love the non-slow bubble. <clears throat> yeah. um, but no, it was a good game. It was fun. We had a good time. He was uh, Dan's always a great opponent. I think he got best. No, he got second for best event, something like that. Hello, Alan Devlin in the house. Yay! You guys, you talk. I'm gonna disconnect. My round one was good. Great opponent. Ted's turn. Ted's turn. We're, okay. in, we're in, we're already right in the turn report here, I'll, I'll face. We'll go back and, and do like our introduction thing again, and then I'll splice it backwards. No, no, that's fine. Or I will not do that, and people will hear me talk about not doing that. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Ted, uh, how was your round one? Uh, I barely remember it, uh, because I can barely remember anything right now, because I've been on a road trip. But... Um, uh, my round one was good. I uh, faced uh, Josh Cal because almost all of my matches this game were against other podcasters. Awesome. Uh, well, it was a very podcaster-rich environment. It really um, was. Uh, I went up against uh, Josh Cal. Uh, he was playing Marcus. I was playing Leviticus, like I do. Um, and uh, I brought it, uh, something I don't usually bring, which is the Desolation Engine. Um uh, and a kind of incredible ha thing happened in turn three or four with the Desolation Engine, which is uh, I needed to get uh, deliver a message on him. I'd taken that as one of my schemes. Uh, I, for I think I did Protect Territory and Deliver a Message, or uh, whichever the, the scheme running one was, and Deliver a Message. Uh, and he alpha the Desolation Engine, uh, which meant that he got to take control of it for a full turn. Uh, the Desolation Engine then moved back into the middle of my crew, uh, and it has a zero action that it can uh, sacrifice any number of friendly models. Mm -hmm. So he sacrificed my crew. <laughs> um, uh, I was still able um, to... Uh, or he sacrificed all of my crew except the two he had distracted. Um, wow. Wow, so what a pop. Yeah, but that was... Um, enough for me. I actually still got 10 points on the thing. I had actually, he, he had um, alphaed it, and then I pointed out to him that he could do that, because I'm really dumb. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, the guy, Ted. Ted um, bring that up to me in just a minute when you're done with your story, because I think it's important. Okay. I had a conversation with somebody else about this. Go ahead. Um, uh, so I had, uh, let's see, I was running with Ashes and Death with Scramble, like I do, and, Ash, and uh, Ashes and Death was able to zip up and deliver the message. Um, I had the thing with extraction is really if you can get it the first round, usually you've got it for the rest of the game, because whoever has it most can pull them towards it, can pull the marker towards their own side, and it makes it much much harder to get it in future rounds. I know that doesn't always happen, but typically every game for me, I usually find myself loading up on the informant in the first round and then 
taking it to my side, and then my opponent can't get it for the rest of the round because they have to fight through all my dudes, and they don't. They aren't able to do it. Right. Um, so that typically has gone well for me. Um, Ashes and Dust uh, is always my highest performer in the game, and this time uh, Ashes and Dust was able to zip across the board to deliver a message to Marcus uh, uh, using um, a zero push and three AP to accomplish everything. Um, the, uh, uh, Just was a fantastic opponent, uh, as always. Um, uh, he ran a mech rider uh, that he had a, a, a canine remains uh, turn into a beast, so he could alpha his own mech rider. Uh, but I was able to have Leviticus melt it, so the risk of two mech riders action, uh, activations every turn got handled. Um, and yeah, it was a super fun game. Um, uh, and that was my game. Uh, I don't remember how many points uh, Josh got. I think it was something along the line of four or five. And I managed to get a full ten despite having my crew eaten by an alpha desolation engine. But, so there was a thing you wanted to say. Rudy? I think we had a phone call. Oh, he, I think he was, I, I know what he was going. He was talking, he was telling me that he thought that you and him were a lot alike in the fact that you'll sit there in the middle of the game and coach your opponent and how to really cripple you. Yeah. And that's something <laughs> he does too. And, um, like, I think he feels like that's the very sporting thing to do. Uh-huh. And I, I'll agree with that to a point. I probably won't point out the most crippling weak points of my army. But I like to play the type of game. And am I coming through better now? Yes. Okay, yeah. I actually didn't have my Wi-Fi on. I actually was on my cellular service, so that, that was bad. Um, no, I, I don't like the gotcha moments so uh -huh. much. Yeah. Where you know they're like this, like somebody's lining this thing up and they're asking like, oh, hey, can, like, you know, like, I'm going to maybe cheat for the trigger. And like, what's the trigger? Oh, it's for slow. And I'm like... Well, actually, all my stuff within six inches of my Vulture and Nico are immune to slow, so you can put it on them, but it's just going to fall off. Right. Like, I'm not going to let them go ahead and cheat or spend a Soul Stone yeah. to get it and they go, oh, yep, so I'm immune to it. Sorry. And honestly, I think that is advantageous in a few ways. One thing is, if everyone did that in general, suddenly I think you would need to, every game, look at all of your opponent's cards, write down all of their abilities... And, uh, and slow the, every game down by half an hour as you had to, like, if you really need to have all that stuff memorized or you'll be penalized for it, then the only way to respond to that is to make it a worse game by studying every single card of your opponent's thing. Or uh, collecting every card like I've done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, Until they stop making the Arsenal decks. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'll just have to buy every model so I can have every card. Uh, yeah. If I had if I had an opponent who like actively refused to tell me about their crew or who were like no I won't show you my cards, uh, that's probably what I would do is go like well okay then I'm gonna like stop and look at everything uh, in response to like your obnoxious I probably wouldn't do that I would probably just <laughs> yeah I would I feel like that somewhere in, I've heard this rule I don't know if this is a rule just that Joe puts in locally but. If your opponent asks to see the card, you have to show it to them. I believe that I'm is fairly certain is a yeah yeah so I, that I think that, that should nip any 
jerk behavior. Hopefully we can avoid that and just be uh, civil about stuff, though. Yeah, uh, but I mean, even just not reminding people of that kind of stuff, I feel like like the response to that would be, okay, let me look at all of your cards for a long time so that I yeah, won't make yeah. a mistake mm-hmm. that you didn't like. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it makes for a better game. And honestly, if... Um, if I hadn't done that in the game that I was in, if I hadn't said, like, here, you can do this thing, he probably would have had to spend two or three minutes picking his turn, and then I wouldn't have been able to get uh, deliver a message because uh, I did that on the last turn by zipping across the board, and if, um, if the game had gone slower, I wouldn't have been able to. So in that way, it kind of paid off for me. Not that that's really yeah. the question. The question I... is, it's also a more fun game when you're not playing against jerks. Yeah, it's just enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. Cool. So that was your round one game, you were saying? That was my round one game. And honestly, I think that was the highlight of the tournament for me. I'm probably going to go around bragging that Josh Cal uh, used the Desolation Engine to wipe out my crew for a long time now. Those are the best stories, though. Yeah. When stuff like that happens. It always makes for a fun one. Uh, just like, yeah. Well, do you want to talk about your second round, then? Just keep going. Uh, sure. Uh, Dan, do you want to go first? I, they're both muted right now, so I'm assuming they're going to come back, hopefully, but... Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell my, I'll tell oh, my second round story, and then I'll probably have to run away, because my wife got home, and she's okay. beautiful. Oh, okay. and I yeah. uh, I'll tell her. your thir- third round story, because uh, that was a game against you. Oh, okay, let's... Well, I'll do two, let's, and then let's me and Ted can do three really quick, and then that's pretty much most okay. of my tournament. I'm back. How about that? All right. All right, yep. so my round two, and like super fast, so round two is Interference, Line in the Sand, Breakthrough, Bodyguard, Outflanks, Ring the Trap. I was playing <laughs> against Mr. Josh Cowell and his Marcus crew. Um, I ran Nicodem, Love the Master, Maniacal Laugh, Undertaker, Vulture, Bet, Krulligan, Krulligan, Mortimer, Corpulo, Rotten Bell, Yin, sure of this game. And Interference, so Josh pulled the uh, Canine Remains, Make the Mech Rider, a beast, alpha it up. On turn two, it charged in, hit one of my guys, dropped two scheme markers, and accomplished bring the trap on turn two. But then the mech rider was like right in my face, and so I killed it. I killed it really dead. And from then on, I just kind of had the numbers advantage, so I was able to kind of just hold down the board. Yeah, if he gets the opportunity to kill the mech rider early, you should take it. Yeah, I was like, oh, here's the mech rider. Now it's gone. Although, as a Leviticus um, player, I don't know, like, the Mech Rider doesn't seem to have a lot of defenses. No, not yeah, until it Yeah, because you can target willpower and do a lot of damage on willpower, so yes. Yeah. Okay. And this is fine with any Rider. Or ignore uh, reduction. Yep, also, that, yep. that ended a 10 7 to me. Interesting I, how good Leviticus is in any given situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I took Line so in the Sand yeah. and Breakthrough, because I love Line in the Sand. But yeah, uh, let's talk about our game turn game three. So I played Ted. Wait, I had a game two. <laughs> well, can we just do this and then I'm gonna go away and then it's just you guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Dan's gotta go. I gotta go. All right. So turn. So yeah, around, talk about your... Round three was Headhunter, Line in the Sand, Protect Territory, Distract, Murder Protege, Take Prisoner, Corner Deploy versus Leviticus with Ted. Yep. <laughs> So I went Nico, Vulture, Bet, Krulligan, Mortimer, Rotten Bell, Rotten Bell, Yin. So dropped Krulligan, added a bell. Um, 
Yep, so my one Krilligan I put over on a flank to start doing line in the sand. Shocker. And Ted had the audacious idea to try to kill it turn one, and did. Dropped yeah. its head, and then Bet popped out of the dead Krilligan and proceeded to pick up the head turn two and continue doing line in the sand. So Bet actually accomplished line in the sand that game for me. Yeah, that I, I, I thought I was pretty clever. I took Scout the Field with Leviticus, which I hadn't taken that much before, which let me get another four inches up uh, and, and kind of sped up Leviticus being able to shoot at uh, the Krilligan. And I was feeling pretty proud that I could reach and kill your Krilligan before you could do anything with it, thinking like, well, Dan always relies on Krilligans. I better get rid of them. I know. <laughs> Sometimes no, he, he relies on them to be the murder protege target. Or, sorry, <laughs> the murder target. Um, yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. and at that point, I wasn't. Eventually, I was able to kill um, Bet Noir, and that didn't help either, because Bet Noir, when she's called berries, and doesn't drop a head marker. So, in fact, everything <laughs> I did was. I watched that yeah. all happen. There was a shatter pause, like turn four or five. Like, he was like, all right, I'm going to kill Bet, and then. Like, killed it. All right, flip a card. Oh, I flipped the Red Joker. She just buries. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the other fun thing, like, uh, you took distract in a killing strategy, which was interesting. I, I generally do. I, I, uh, I like having, generally, uh, I like taking a bunch of non-killy schemes in a killy strategy just because uh, it gives you something to do while all the fighting's happening. And it actually, in things like Reckoning, works out really well because your opponent is planning against killing and therefore doesn't really stop you from that. But it didn't uh, turn out that well this time. Yeah, and then you took a lot of ranged people, which in Headhunters... Well, I, I took a bunch of ranged people, which was terrible. And then um, uh, on top of that, uh, the things that I did... I didn't take a lot of luring stuff, which I should have. Honestly, uh, I just today went to Guardian Games and picked up a whole bunch of rotten bells, <laughs> so that the next time uh, uh, the next time Headhunter comes up, I can field a bunch of rotten bells. Yeah. Uh, it uh, because the thing that I was doing, my thought was what I wanted to do was jam up Nicodem by throwing stuff into his face that were really dangerous things that could attack. I do a bunch of mass damage and kill a bunch of your dudes. And what actually happened is I threw stuff in. Every time I threw something in, you killed it, and it dropped the head marker and gave you more uh, yeah, like, points. So that was also terrible. Turn two, he moved Desolation Engine way up, and then I used like it already activated. So I used both my bells to lure it into my face because I read the card and I knew that it would drop out two more little dudes. And I'm like, hey, here's three head markers that I can pull in and whack on for the next three turns, and that'll give me all four of my headhunter strategy points. And so, yeah, that's what I did. Like, I lured him in, I summoned in enough things that I think I took it down that turn, then I had two abominations, which are quite annoying to uh, deal with. But, uh, eventually... I enjoy chewed... how annoying abominations are. Yeah, chewed through them eventually, and he killed some of my stuff, which dropped heads, but he didn't have anything nearby. And I probably, the only enemy models I think I lured was that Desolation Engine the very first, or second turn. And I used my Rotten Bells to lure my own guys away from Abomination so they could pick up heads and that kind of thing. Right. And then I killed I killed my own Yin so he went drop ahead. He was at one wound with Distract on him. Ugly. And so I, yeah, I used a Bell, well I used a Punk Zombie, killed him. So I got rid of Distract and didn't drop ahead. And then I used Bells to lure other distracted models out of engagement so they could just activate and clear distract. Yeah, wow. 
Yeah, because he he picked up one of my line in the sand <laughs> markers, and that made me mad. <laughs> I'm so, glad I could make you mad at something. The, the gloves the gloves are off. I was like, why did you just pick up my line in the sand marker? I wouldn't have stopped you from scoring scheme points. So then I stopped him from scoring scheme points. You stopped me from scoring a lot of scheme points. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good game. No, I just turtled yeah. it. I don't think I ever left my deployment zone. Other than the uh, one other Krilligan. Than the- Shikome and the uh, the Krilligan. And yeah, the Krilligan that's right. The summon Shikome that ran to the opposite edge of where everything was going on to finish line in the sand. Yeah. Oh, and the Krilligan they got resummoned after he got so viciously killed. Uh oh, there were different Krilligans. Oh no, he was definitely fine. He just needed a pick me up. Yep. No, he was. Yeah, the first one was killed, but you know he just summoned back then, so he's he was good. <clears throat> But no, it was a fantastic game against Ted. Um, my turtle strategy worked to a 10-4 victory. And and the thing that I took away from it is never send things into your opponent for Headhunter. Uh, Headhunter, head and always take lots of bells for Headhunter. <laughs> yep, <laughs> is very good. For those yep. who aren't playing Resurrectionists or uh, uh, Outcasts, there's no <laughs> nothing to learn there. Uh, well, I Anything actually, with pushes and lures are I was going to say, in, in Neverborn, yeah. I love Barbaros and uh, Teddy's a lot. Oh, nice. Because Teddy's push when they hit, so you can charge in, hit something, and carry it back towards your line. Push nice. it four inches, yeah, push into great. base contact, hit it again, push it four more inches back towards your line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Graves is another standout in there. Yep. The ability Show you the door. that push with his... Yeah. And anyone can take performers and use Seduce to grab people out of engagements as well. Oh, true. Uh, Siren's Call. Siren's, Siren's Call, Call, Siren's yeah. Call, yeah. Seduce yeah. is the one that blows up ski markers, which is another great reason to have that. It's a super good reason. Yeah, yeah, so end of day one, that put me at 29 out of 30 victory points, so I was sitting pretty good going into day two. <clears throat> Are we just going through your whole day? Uh, no, I'm done. I'm going to okay. go away now. I'm going to go have supper. I haven't eaten yet. Dan's last game was uh, good. So I'll tell you about his, I'll tell tell you about his second to last game, and uh, and then we'll be fine. Last game, I, I dropped six claim markers in my opponent's half of the table and won nine to, nine to six. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Dan. Hey, Dan. Did you do your round two, Ted? Uh, I did not yet do my round two. Go ahead. Um. Let's see, round two, uh, I don't even remember. Uh, I'm trying to remember who I played against. He was awesome. Uh, You do your round two, and I'll try to rack my brain. Do you you remember what faction it was? Because that might help me jog memories. Okay, my round two was me versus Jacob, who was a Rasputina player. Oh, my little notes computer is going to die. This is going to be stupid. Um, it was interference. I took Spring the Trap and Breakthrough, and he took a Bodyguard on the Ice Column and Line in the Sand. First turn, he moved forward. His December Acolytes did some repositioning. My Hunters moved forward to Threaten Center and to prepare for uh, some Breakthrough stuff, because my hope was to move both of my Hunters. Yeah, I played two Hunters and uh, an Ostringer in basically every list that I played this week, because they're great. Um, but uh, in this one, the Hunters got taken out pretty hard and pretty early. Uh, Sonya warms up uh, one of the December Acolytes, um, hits uh, cheats in Red Joker and drops three damage on the Wendigo, so the December Acolyte's at one wound and the Wendigo is at one wound. I have an Ostringer that pushes Sonya forward and then uh, the other one shoots an Ice Gammon. I went with double 
Uh, I went with double Ostringers because of uh, Spring the Trap. I was hoping to be able to get enough things within range to be able to, you know, take deliver orders twice and get two points for it. Um, but it ended up not <laughs> going that way for me. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, Raspy moves forward. Her Ice Golem and Snowstorm sort of move forward where the Snowstorm moves and then the Ice Golem gets zero action placed uh, into base contact over and over again. That's sort of how I moved Ice Golem around. Um, second turn, I start with the Brutal Effigy giving Sonya Fear Not the Sword and then blasting out the Acolyte and the Wendigo for killing, not needing to heal, but drawing two cards. Um, at this point in my hand, I, I started with uh, three ones and a two, and the two cards I drew were another one and another two. Uh, I had all of my all four of my ones in my hand by the end of the by the end of this turn, and I used them for violation of magic to summon more um, uh, wish like suckers. Um, I did severe damage on the Wendigo and was able to drop some wounds on Snowstorm as well. Snowstorm and the Ice Golem move up to center. The Golem drops a line, line on the Sand Marker. Raspy moves to threaten the center. Frank moves to engage the Bash Bros, as I called them, mostly so that they couldn't charge Sonya. Um, I get a victory point for the strategy, and he does not because I cleared out one of his corners. It was um, interference. Turn three, the Brutal Effigy makes a break for it, trying to get into the end zone. Uh, at this point, I made my biggest mistake, because I always think you need to get ski markers in the deployment zone in order to get points for breakthrough, but he could have moved and schemed or in, instead of double moving and then try to get all three schemes on the turn four and turn five. Um, mm -hmm. So that didn't quite work out for me. The Ice Golem burns energies, uh, kills Frank and two of his AP, then moves over and attacks Abuela and... Even though he couldn't charge her, he still moved and take, took one attack. He got, I think, red joker damage and just knocked her into a fine paste in one hit. My um, Ostringer start pecking away at the Ice Golem, and then Sonya comes in and just melts him to the ground. Uh, so I inadvertently block his bodyguard. Uh, I didn't realize he had bodyguard. I just knew he was an Ice Golem in my face, so I killed him. Um, we do some more general positioning in turn four. I start backpedaling to try and get Raspy engaged and surrounded by ski markers. The Brutal Effigy takes his first breakthrough token and moves. The Ostringers sort of scramble forward to help um, with Spring the Trap and hopefully to peck the Acolyte dead. I don't quite get there. In turn five, Brutal Effigy gets the second point for breakthrough. The Acolyte Chain Heart... This is, this is actually a really brilliant move on Jacob's part. Um, the Acolyte Chain Harpoons Raspy out of combat and out of a uh, scheme marker for Spring the Trap. Nice. Um, but I eventually get forward and drop one more, and he's like, oh, come on, man. I was like, I got to do it. I got to do it. Um, so I ended up, I ended up going, uh, I think he got, like, I, I got full points for the scheme. No, sorry, full, full points for the strat. He didn't ever really try and push for corners, and I was taking out his models fast enough that he wasn't able to sort of hold what he had even. Um, and I got full points for... Uh, break, no, I got two points for breakthrough, and I got... One point for, no, two points for Spring uh, Trap, because I had announced it. So I was sat at, I think, nine, eight, eight, eight. No. I think I got full points for Breakthrough because I had announced it. So I think I was at nine. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I beat, I beat him by a lot. It was like eight, two, or something like that. Uh, my computer did die. My notes are gone. That's okay, though. So. No. <laughs> uh, I remembered my game. Okay, go for it. Uh, so I played against 
Justin, who is playing the Victorious. Uh, the match right before, we were sitting next to each other and gave each other an outcast high five. And uh, then, you know, brother turned against brother and we had to uh, fight in the next, ma next match. War never changes. Um, <laughs> uh, the first turn, uh, I did a thing that I was pretty happy with. Um, he moved up Taylor a little bit. Then I uh, moved my ashes and dust up a bunch um, onto the top of some terrain. Uh, did uh, Leviticus's zero action to put myself in, place myself in base contact with Ashes and Dust within sight range of Taylor and shot Taylor three times. Taylor just barely survived uh, and I was able to kill Taylor on round two. Uh, I, you have to get rid of Taylor if you're playing Leviticus because Taylor kills all your summons. Yeah, she does. Um, Especially the uh, and then, waves, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, your waves, but also she'll kill ashes and dust really easily, and kill kill ashes and dust. Yeah. Uh, she'll kill waves. She'll kill abominations, and be able to reposition from the abomin every time you summon a thing, and you're summoning a thing all the time, so you got to get rid of her. Uh, and Leviticus is really good at bypassing her defenses because he doesn't care about hard to kill. So I threw a bunch of resources at that, um, uh, and managed to just do the thing Leviticus does where he kind of uh, attacks models that should normally be hard to kill and dismantles your opponent's machinery. Um, my opponent, I threw uh, ashes and dust uh, at a bunch of his models I th uh, in the middle of Johan uh, and some of his other models, and he uh, sent... Uh, he did the slingshot, which is kind of uh, the victorious thing, uh, into Ashes and Dust to take care of it. Uh, he wasn't able to get quite a charge on the turn that he did it, so he had to move up and do a melee expert instead. And that was kind of fatal to him, I think. Yeah, because, no, that's, that, that's not how you do it. It's, yeah. There was just so much terrain in his way, and he had to go around a bunch of stuff, and and there were models blocking the 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 charge lane, so he wasn't able to quite do it. Because what you're what you're hoping for is to kill ashes and dust on your charge, have the melee expert left over, and then hit the ashen core on the melee expert attack. Exactly, because and, and kind of the thing that you have to do with the, with ashes and dust is kill it early in the turn, and then kill the next thing. Um, but as a result of not getting the charge, uh, he was kind of left in that vulnerable position. I was able to drop Victoria's or the Victoria Blood the next turn, and then kind of the thing that Justin did that I think was a mistake. And <laughs> Justin is a fine player and a super awesome person. I am not uh, intending to to diss him, but I think it's it's worth noting because I've noticed several opponents do this thing. Uh, is he put a lot of resources into trying to kill Ashes and Dust? Uh, more than into getting BP for the game. Mm -hmm. So he like just started throwing resources at Ashes and Dust, uh, and Ashes and Dust kept regenerating and getting better, um, and meanwhile I was picking up his other models because... Uh, uh, he was moving out of position to threaten Ashes and Dust. Exactly. So um, uh, with that I was able to kind of wipe a, a bunch of models... Um, uh, outflank was one of the uh, schemes, and outflank is often a really hard scheme to take. We both declared it. Uh, I was able to kill enough of his models that I kind of controlled the center line because I was playing like aggressively in his face, and I did the thing that I love to do with that ashes and dust, 
which is uh, separate. Kill the last the, turn and put your uh, snow, your dust storm in the in the flank for guard the or uh, okay, outflank. That's brilliant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, it's awful. Because uh, ashes and dust, when it splits off, it has to be with uh, in base contact with some side of the board. You usually do it on the same side so you can reunite them. But outflank is great because uh, our ashes and dust are great for outflank because you can suddenly place it on the other half of the board and get yourself uh, outflank when uh, you've got nothing near there to take it. So I believe I did that. Um, and then just uh, uh, redeployed Leviticus all over the place and melted things. Anyway, super fun match against uh, Justin. Uh, redeployed. <laughs> Sorry. That I, was not me. That was definitely me. I have, a, I have a motorcyclist who lives in my neighborhood, and he just loves to drive by when I'm podcasting. Loves <laughs> to rev his engine. I know Justin then switched to Tara for the rest of the tournament, and uh, and that did him really well. He ended up on the top table of the last match. Nice. And uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I've been loving playing the Victorias myself lately. So it's fun to be across the table from them, but. Uh, yeah, that was my second match. Uh, my round three was um, Dan Miner. So uh, this is where I start playing basically everyone who has every right to kick the crap out of me and do relatively well. Uh, so I play against Dan Miner. Dan Miner is playing Karaya weekend, and um, this this was a good chance for me to uh, sort of. I was on a four-game losing streak versus her, I think, and it uh, was starting to get to me. I, I was starting to really dread facing her. Um, so it was nice that Dan came in and was playing a, a crew that I was relatively familiar with, having you know been facing off against them a lot and also uh, playing them a bit myself. But he came in with um, Kurayan Datsuba, uh, the Islam of the Armor... I think there was a valedictorian, no yin, no um, Toshiro. There are a couple of autopsies. He was really digging the autopsies. Um, I think there was something else, but I can't remember what it was. And I think it might have been because it died really fast. Maybe not, though. Um, I I took announced murder protege on Azamu, and that was for one of two reasons. The first reason was he loves getting up in people's faces, and if I make it look like I want him to be up in my face, maybe it will keep him held back a bit. And second, I brought Perdita, and I brought Perdita with um, trick shooting, and she can ignore incorporeal and armor. Nice. So I was ready for ghosts and Azamu. <laughs> Um, so in the first round, like we moved forward, he took some shots from range and, and killed one of my things pretty quick and pretty early, and I picked up the head. And he was like, oh, so that's the kind of game it's going to be. I was like, hey, man, you give me a head, I'm picking it up. Um, and so he's like, I need to know, I need to figure out how I'm going to get ahead right now. And I think I have an idea, but I think it's what you want me to do. And I was like, I can't help you out. He swirled spirits as I moved forward, who then... Um, Eight. Uh, oh, I think I think he sent a Sation forward or something, and I killed the Sation and picked up it. Anyway, he swirled. He eventually swirled the Azamu forward to pick up the head, and in turn three, I charged it with Perdita and killed it, um, locking in three points pretty quick. 
Uh, I also had Protect Territory, which ended up scoring me some points. Um, he he pushed hard and fast into my zone, and uh, using Ostringers, I ended up getting quite a few points. We ended up tying our game 9-9. Um, I think I didn't get one point for Headhunter because he had sort of engaged me to the point where I couldn't push out and pick up a head, or he was engaging all of the heads, or just made it difficult for me to get my last strategy point. Um, I think I ended up stopping him from getting ahead also, um, just because I wasn't, I wasn't dying, and I stopped being able to kill things, so there weren't a ton of heads on the field, and the ones that were there were you know, protected by the judge or this, that, and the other thing. He couldn't kill my guy, also move in and pick up the head, so, and anything he summoned couldn't engage. We made it through all through all through. Through all five turns and uh, and ended up tying nine nine, so it technically broke my losing streak against Karai, and I got to not win against her, but still do better than I had been, and it was uh, kind of liberating to to get it to just to almost make it happen. <laughs> next time I'll next time I'll take her down. But that my moral victory for the week was actually my game four, so we'll we'll get there. Uh, my moral victory for was also game four. Uh, I had uh, <laughs> a moral victory that I was very happy with. Um, well, we already talked about your game three because it was the one that was versus Dan. Yes. Well, Although so now that Dan's yes. not here, I could make up stuff about it. Um, yeah. and, and claim that Dan only won because of something, but really, he, he's just a really strong player. He's a very strong player. <laughs> like, everybody there was was really very good. Yeah. Um, Actually... I think, I think so, what happened, there, there was a little bit of a separation between, like, the top three or four tables and the and the bottom, but I think it was just, uh, like, drive. Um, yeah. I think... Um, yeah, go ahead. It, I mean, the last few games, it really felt like... Um, it was you, me, and Dan Miner jockeying for second place. Yeah, basically. Uh, and uh, the fact that Dan Johnson was going to get first place was kind of assured. It was, yeah. Um, By the end of day, day one, it was like, oh, he's, we need him to not get five points through the rest of his games, and we still also need to get ten points all the way through. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, and that, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, Rudy, the, um, but talking about uh, playing against Dan... There's a thing I've been wanting to ask you, and I guess I probably shouldn't be asking this on a podcast. Um, if it's uh, weird, I'll cut it out. It's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, um, I haven't uh, seen him naked. So, Dan, uh, uh, turn four, you played and beat Dan. Yeah. Uh, and Dan was playing his uh, incredibly uh, effective uh, Nicodem uh, list where he uh, goes for the strategy... Uh, with scheme runners and gets a whole bunch of um, uh, mindless zombies. You're not uh, summons a bunch of models and turtles up, and then has scheme mark scheme runners go out and and get his schemes. How do you beat that? The, to be honest, there are two ways to do it, and I have done it twice. One of the ways is surprise him with something he hasn't seen before, which is getting harder to do since he runs before we begin. Um, one of the two times I beat him, I was playing as uh, McCabe. I think it might have been my first or second game with McCabe. And uh, he brought his normal Nicodem stuff and some Kruligans and, and whatnot. And I just pushed forward so quickly that he couldn't 
stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And he was like, oh, wow, he's got move of what? Six? And what about the dog? Seven? Move of seven on the dog? Wow. So I so surprised him, which is hard to do. Uh, but this time it was, I used something that was pretty cheesy, and I do feel a little bad, but I think it was another one of those things where I sort of surprised him with it. I put Nino on a wall, and I brought an entire family list. So I had... Neo, Frank, Abuela, a Latigo Pistolero, and a Brutal Effigy, which I married to Perdita and Perdita. Um, and then I pushed forward, and I gave him Francisco to kill, and he did, and I got points for it, because he did it with the Valedictorian. I killed the Valedictorian, I got my full points for that. And then it was just a matter of trying to deny him either a line in the sand or the strategy. And I was able to, with Nino and his spotter ability, slowly push him back off of one of the, the squat markers and then turn it so that he couldn't return it. Uh, okay. And that's how it ended up going, because I was able to go... like I, I failed out on one point of strategy in turn two and then got three, four, and five. And I pushed him off for turn four and he wasn't able to regain by the end of turn five, so it ended up going nine eight victory to me, and it was a scrap the whole time, man. Like it was just everything. It was crazy. Um, using Abuela to uh, shotgun people, using the brutal effigy to try and take out schemes, using an Ostringer to try and use the brutal effigy to take out more schemes. He ended up um, he ended up gambling really big and and. Uh, Bringing in a, a model, summoning a model, giving it fast, and then rushing forward to kill my brutal effigy so that it would drop a body so that it could... Oh, so he wanted to kill it so that uh, Bette Noir could come out and flip the, the squat marker back over. But uh, Wait, how would... Effigy, exactly, exactly. effigy exactly. doesn't launch uh, uh, Bette Noir. Exactly. Because it's not living undead. He's not living undead, and he, was, and he didn't realize that until after the charge. Uh, he killed the brutal effigy. And I was like, he'll drop scrap. He goes, oh shit, that's not, that's not a, that's not living, is it? I was like, nope, <laughs> no. He may have married Perdita, but that does not make him alive. Uh, what? Sure, Perdita's apparently not very selective in what kind of robot she'll marry. Um, <laughs> so what I'm hearing here, in a more general sense, is uh, a lot of aggressive scheme denial, something similar to Chatty, because uh, Spotter is kind of like Chatty. Uh, it is. Yeah, I, it's it's like giving every model that you can see Chatty. Right. Um, so kind of a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of interact denial. Yeah. And, uh, and because he does, he loves those interact games. Like he likes bringing Kruligans and and those kind of things because he likes saying, "Well, I'm going to put down all these schemes, and you can't really do anything about it because." If you want to not get overwhelmed by zombies, you have to clear these. You have to kill the zombies, and if you want to stop me from scoring points, you got to clear the schemes. But then you get overwhelmed by zombies. Um, it it kind of gives you a really terrible choice to make, and uh, whichever one you choose will probably end up biting you. But this was I had a, a passive way of dealing with the schemes, and I had a active way of dealing with the zombies. Right. That, okay, so probably what I would do is something like send out Philip and the Nanny, uh, which has similar scheme denial, and yep. then just defend the crap out of it. And if I was playing, um, if I was playing Arcanist, I would probably go with Colette, take performers to be able to 
clear scheme markers from range. That's actually one of the ways that I did it when we were in our league. He was playing um, Silurids, who could run and do schemes really well. And I brought Performers and Cassandra, who could run around all over the table and just cast Seduce and, and destroy scheme markers that way. Um, yeah. Play, play anti-scheme and play uh, relatively aggressive, and if you can do both at the same time, all the more the better. Right, so you, you kind of need to both be fighty and load it up with anti-scheme. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds like you have to make two lists, and you... I <laughs> Actually, what ended up happening was um, that had worked so well for me against Dan because he didn't bring anything with any range to deal with um, uh, Nino. That I was really, I was really happy with how well that worked. I was like, well, the next game is uh, stick a claim, and if I can make it so that people can't take stick a claim actions on my half of the board by dropping Nino and you know uh, a, a family member hunter that I marry in using Abuela, and then just use the Abuela, the Nino, and the uh, hunter to sort of deny my half of the board, then I might be able to pull this thing out. And then uh, I got Ted, and apparently, oh, yeah. um, apparently. Leviticus is one of the strongest range masters in the game. Um. Yeah, and, and specifically what he's good against is uh, models who don't have a lot of wounds but have unique defenses, yeah. um, like Nino, who like doesn't Nino. have a lot of wounds, but he has the defense of, I'm on top of a tower, screw you. Yeah. Um, yeah how... Hmm? Well, I was yeah. just wondering about with Nino, why he didn't just summon a rotten bell. Right? And that's actually in, in turn three or turn four I thought to myself, you know, if he that's the most if he the just, best vulnerability. If he just summons a bell and drags it down, even if it doesn't kill him, because he could have, you know, lured him down yeah, the slope yeah, where it wouldn't have hurt him. But it still's like, well now he's not on top of a tower and his line of sight yeah, in most yeah, places are blocked. That's yeah. always how I deal with me. Though, is just yeah. get a bell or something and make him walk off whatever he's standing on. Yeah. But uh no. And he and we yeah, had a conversation about it afterwards where I was like, man, I was just worried you were going to summon a bell. I almost said something about it, and then you probably would have, and then that would have gone totally differently. <laughs> but yeah. this is a tournament, so I wasn't I wasn't going to be like, hey Dan, why don't you just summon a rotten bell and totally fuck me over right now? Um, <laughs> which is really yeah, funny because the conversation it, yeah. I had with the conversation <laughs> I had with I think Joe or it might have been Adam of, of Cheetah Fates. We um, we talked about it, yeah. Oh, you did. Mm -hmm. That's yep. funny. Yeah, it was like. Uh, in my game with you, I felt like we were both very much about, like, we. you would do the same thing with me that I would do with a lot of my opponents, which is talk about what your best option is, and what, like, well, if you do this, this seems like it would be the best, and it was, it's not like, if he does that, then he's going to be in a perfect position for me to do my terrible thing, but more like a, well, here are all the options that you have in front of you, if this seems like the most efficient, if I were playing you, I'd be doing that too. I'm probably going to do this in response, but it's, uh, it's, your, it's your chance. <laughs> I kind of feel like um, if I can avoid my opponent uh, my opponent losing because of a gotcha, I will feel better about the game. Yeah, I don't want to lose. Like, I don't want to lose by a gotcha, but I don't. My, need my to... least favorite game ever is when my opponent takes assassinate against Leviticus, and uh, I spend the whole game going, "I'm really sorry. I forgot to tell you not to do that." Um, <laughs> uh, even yeah. worse is if I tell them not to do that and they do it anyway. Because they didn't believe me, um, yeah. I'll just feel terrible at the end of the game. I mean, there—it's such a sad one because you know that the only thing you can get out of that is what two points. 
you can get two points. I've had an opponent do it because we were playing a, a story encounter where the tournament in general had rules that required him to do it, and he understood <laughs> it was not going to get him full points, but did it anyway. And that I felt okay about. But yeah, um, like it was an achievement or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like. Sorry. In general, you don't want to win because like your opponent just didn't know this thing about your one card. It, yeah. it feels like a cheaper victory. Yep. So that was my game four, uh, and almost, and part of my game five, also, because we sort of started broaching the the Leviticus versus Brigitte. Yeah. Um, so my game four was against Dan Miner. Um, uh, he was I had never played against uh, Kirai before. Am I gonna get in trouble if I call her Kirai? Because now I want to do it. Do it! Do it! Please do it! We're starting a movement. Hi. Uh, I was uh, Dan playing Kirai. Uh, super, super fun game. I had never played Kirai before, but I kind of knew what to expect. And I knew, like, if you shoot Kirai, you should expect that, uh, like, a, uh, an Akirio will pop up next to you. So don't do that unless you have a way to, like, deal with the Akirio. Um, and that went really well. Right now because... It's fun to hear someone else say it <laughs> correctly. Um, um, sorry, pardon me. Uh, and so that game, there was kind of a... Um, we were both, in addition to the goals of the game, uh, both trying to accomplish uh, kind of uh, moral victory off the table things. He wanted to kill Leviticus... Uh, and managed to through, like, tremendously good use of all of his models. Uh, I had a turn when Leviticus was going to come back, but he put uh, his Akirio between the anchor and a waif. I've never seen that work before, but this time I just didn't have any movement tricks to get it, uh, to get around it. And Interestingly the enough, he told me afterwards that it was an accident. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> no it, it was a brilliant play. Um, I, um, I I just summoned a ton of uh, uh, abominations through the game. My goal through the thing was uh, to successfully recycle Karai uh, into an abomination. <laughs> uh, I had taken about... Uh, uh, I have a pledge that in 2015 uh, I will always take assassination in tournaments if it's on the table. And not only attempt to assassinate, but also to make an abomination out of them. Did you? Um, you didn't get to make an abomination out of Perdita in our game. I <laughs> did not make a, uh, uh, Perdita an abomination. I managed to kill her. You did successfully assassinate her. That is true. Yeah, I had to, but I had to use a different trigger to get enough damage. Um. The um. So yeah, uh, I was able to. Leviticus got killed before he could kill her, but. Um, I had Ashes and Dust redeploy all the way across the table from one corner to the other uh, using... Uh, I put um, one of my uh, abominations kind of ten inches away from the Ashes and Dust in the middle of Datsueba's face, hoping that he would have Datsueba kill the abomination so that uh, I could jump to it. He didn't because... Uh, I didn't know it, but Datsuva was his, was his bodyguard target, and he just wanted to get her away from any trouble. Moved her away. Uh, so I killed it myself with um, uh, with another abomination, because they can all damage each other, and that's what they like to do. 
and managed to jump ashes and dust forward 10 inches on that uh, through the push. Then another uh, 18 inches of walk after that from his 3AP with scramble and redeploy from one corner to the other because I had a total of, uh, I guess, 28 inches. 28 inches of movement. Wow. And that was enough that the next turn I was able to charge and kill uh, okay, and get two points for assassinate because it was turn five. Mm. And, uh, and additionally get... Um, uh, get my skiing points. So and re- successfully recycle, which made me happy. I almost killed Kirai once. She's so the point of this is to try to analyze the defenses of the different masters. Yeah. And she's got manipulative, which has a lot of card drain, and I countered that by putting a lot of stuff that would get more cards, meaning abominations, to just get a lot of constant card flows so that I could sustain attacking something with manipulative. Mm. Uh, she has she can shunt damage off to nearby models uh, and uh, she just didn't have any nearby spirits to do that to. Uh, and lastly, uh, when you hit her, uh, Ikario suddenly does a jump scare on you. And kind of <laughs> the way I managed that was to wait until Ikario hit something else, but also uh, to just kind of uh, grip my teeth and, mm. uh, and be ready for that. I I've I was I was going to and then I totally spaced it when I was ended up playing against him. I, w- I wanted to take a uh, 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 death marshal because it's uh-huh. only got like two willpower. Oh wow! So if you are able to get it on the table near enough to a death marshal to charge, you can charge and you box that son of a bitch, and uh, she's not coming back out. Right. And she oh, can't wow. be summoned because she's still technically in play. And you just... Uh, she's not in play, but... Buried models aren't in play, but I think they still count for rare. Right, so you can't you can't actually re-summon it because it's already been summoned. It's just it's just there. Like, you can't... Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's one way so, to take care of the Akirio. Another way is to block line of sight from the... Model, you're damaging to the model that is like if I had played uh, Sonya in that game, you could have done a drop a flame wall for one AP between nice. the between the anchor and the model that you're wanting to kill, and then just drill for them. But uh, the other way, I guess, is lean towards attacking in melee because if you're attacking in range, jump scares Ikirio can engage you, and you can't keep shooting. Yeah, but if you're attacking exactly. in melee, at least you get to keep going. Yeah. I mean, not on a charge, you won't get your second action. That's actually how I ended up taking care of the Akirio a lot for me, is I would charge with Perdita, shoot twice, it would come out, I would be able to shoot the Akirio once, I would be in melee because it was in, be in base contact with me, and I would just cheat or soulstone for a ram and do minimum four damage and kill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, the other thing I was doing against Akirio that worked pretty well was kind of just staying away from it because uh, if it doesn't have any targets to charge, it walks really, really slow. Mm. And um, uh, and so if it's just kind of stranded in a place that's not strategically important, it's it's not going to cause much concern. But uh, a, a good player would see that as an opportunity to activate it early, use the one action to sacrifice itself and rebury it, and then bring it back out later. 
which is exactly what he did. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just kind of was, I threw a bunch of abominations at it to annoy it for a little while, um, and, and that occupied it for a turn or so, at which point I spent that turn doing attacks on Karai. Mm. On Karai. Um, the other thing for uh, Squatter's Rights, I was able that game, uh, I uh, took Pry of Iron, uh, so I had Ryle uh, push up to claim a scheme marker uh, on turn one, and then on turn two popped up to Soulstone Miners on the hardest to reach, uh, 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 not claim markers, uh, spot uh, markers. markers, and claim those, and then send Ashes and Dust to the furthest away one. So I was able to, like, I had most of the uh, claim markers, uh, uh, squat markers most of the game. Like, for the whole, like, most of the game I controlled for uh, squat markers. Mm. And that helped. Is it time to talk about our game? Uh, I think it is. Let's do this thing. All right. So my favorite thing, you know, you already know what I'm going to say is my favorite thing about that game. What was it? The Gremlin. Oh my gosh! Yes, Ray Bannon had left one of his um, his uh, Bayou Gremlins on our table when he cleaned up from round four. And uh, when when Ted and I sat down, he was like, "I'm gonna need your back on this." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "If Ray comes over here to pick up this Gremlin, we're not giving it back to him because it's part of our it's part of our table now." And I was like, <laughs> "You know what? You're right. Yeah. Do you want to do do you want to do severe terrain around it?" I was like, "That sounds great." Sounds great to me. <laughs> so we had a drunken gremlin in the middle of town just, like, falling over himself with bloody knuckles and stuff. It's pretty funny yeah. all the way through. Yeah. So, awesome. And I think it came It was hazardous. It was, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it came up, like, one, twice. Twice. My brutal effigy walked through it twice because it was more important to get where he needed to get than it was for him to not be yeah. at his hard-to-kill wound or whatever. Yeah, and he was hard to kill, so he was like, okay, whatever, Gremlin, we've got to keep going. Yeah, and Gremlin actually flipped severe on me, too, so I was at one of three health, and he bashed me for four, and I was like, well, I don't care. Was, yeah. That was rude. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I brought a crew that I felt like I was going to be able to push through into your side of the table, and then also hopefully sort of puppy guard my half of the table with limited defense, at least long enough to try and get me ahead. Uh, the problem was you, you never see how fast Leviticus really is until he's on you and killing you. Yeah. Um, I think that I could have started Nino back further because it, there wasn't a real solid way you were going to be able to get a uh, claim marker on round one, right? Like you didn't... The, first, uh, the claim markers didn't start going down until two. I couldn't get a claim marker. Uh, I probably could have gotten a claim marker on round one... Uh, by sacking ashes and dust and running up past it, but there was it wouldn't have been it would have left Leviticus open to being killed for real. Yeah. So it wasn't worth it. So if I had started Nino a little further back and then moved him up to the front of the balcony near the end of the first turn, that would have at least ensured me a little bit more um, sort of activation control in turn two yeah. and kept you from being able to kill something else with Leviticus that turn. Um, but that's a hindsight thing. Like I don't, I can't, I didn't know that Ted had a burning fiery hate for Nino. Uh, it, Nino needs to like Nino. If you look at Nino's printed card, I see two things on that printed card. I see 
Spotter, you can't take any of your interactions, interact actions, and I see wounds, five. There's one other thing you should probably see, and that is I have a 36-inch range with a positive twist. If I can see a wave, I'm shooting it in the face. Okay, so that just adds to the, like, Nino has to die. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did not begrudge you that choice. That was a hell of a choice. It's, and it's also, Nino or Nino? I'm, I'm sure I'm getting it wrong about it. It ought to be Nino, because okay. it Nino is, uh, I think, child or baby in Spanish, but they don't put the Enya on it, so it would be Nino. I don't know why my brain deep unpacks pronunciations like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. To, I, listeners, I to <laughs> listeners who are saying to themselves, wow, he sounds really pretentious when he talks about pronunciation. Ian, um... <laughs> I, I, I don't know why our team does that. Talk about does. phonetics for a while. Welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a phonetics podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, so Nino does need to die, and I uh, appreciate that you you recognize that fact because it was the, it was it was it was a big gimmick. You know, it was a huge gimmicky move on my part, and uh, getting rid of that really did force me to have to play harder, which is good, because... But it also was sort of my only real defense from stopping you from doing whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, because Granny Abuela's good, but she can't engage anything for shit. And my hunter was would have been great, but he needed to move on to the other side of the board to shore up the fact that you were killing everything on that side of the board very quickly. Uh, <laughs> But the hunter and the Francisco, like killing killing Ryle really early, helped me out. Um, yeah, I had a couple of relatively sweet um, moves that were going to be, you know, consolidating one scheme marker on my side and one scheme marker on your side into one scheme marker on my side, so that I uh, net uh, gained one marker. Yeah, and then. Uh, right when I got to the point where everything was starting to look up for my claim markers, Leviticus decided he was going to be on the other side of the board again and just move forward and consolidated all of mine into one, so I had one to his five. Uh, and that's when I knew I was in trouble, and uh, that was turn four. And turn mm-hmm. five went pretty quick, and then uh, it was over. And it was, what, 410, 49? Uh, four, uh, so you denied it me? Was, I was able to deny you the claim markers one turn. I tied By you. turn four, we were tied. Because yes. uh, you had Abuela consolidate on your side um, to get rid of two of mine. Mm. And that, that tied it up. Uh, so we did enough. neither of us got strat points. So it was nine to four, I think. It, yeah, I had, I had put uh, Ryle out there specifically to kind of control that section where you had all your guys soften up uh, Perdita a little bit and just kind of give you a thing to slow you down and sort of stop you from rushing uh, my side of the board quite so much. I had kind of intended for Ryle to go down like teeth bared uh, in a a hail of iron and armor, and he kind of did uh, what I had wanted him to do, which was kind of slow you down for a little bit so I could get um, so I could get uh, a stake of claim. Yeah, and that that just meant like throwing soul stones into healing it, uh, into soaking damage, uh, using his armor, which didn't help as much as I thought because too many of your things ignored armor. Um, oh, Dita. <laughs> and uh, and just sort of like sitting there, uh, teeth bared, uh, picking off multiple things with a shot, and then when things got close, swinging his uh, arm and and, uh, and doing a bunch of damage that way. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I think if I were to uh, unpack this game for me, I would want to... I probably would have still gone with a Nino um, Abuela something on my side of the table. Because uh-huh. you can you can get that combo done with something that's kind of tough and Abuela and Nino no matter what. And that's not even half your points. Um, and then I would have gone with McMorning with a couple of Watchers, a couple of Nurses, and maybe an Executioner. Um, Ooh, that would have been really nice. Because then I could have gotten past your... You couldn't have taken defense triggers. I could make him so he ignores armor. Uh, and then McMorning actually and the nurse give um, the watcher the ability to move eight inches and drop scheme markers. So like if I zero action, he gets to push eight inches. He can drop a claim marker for his two AP. I can zero action, make him push eight inches. He can drop a claim marker for two AP. Um, that would extremely speed up my claim marker generation to potentially yeah. to a turn. And, and McMorning is fantastic. McMorning, uh, when I've played against McMorning with Leviticus in the past, I've actually had problems with McMorning just being faster at getting to stuff than Leviticus is. Yeah. Um, I was Especially if you go with plastic surgery. But go ahead. Uh, I, w- I was pretty proud of the thing that I ended up doing on turn five. The uh, moving... Uh, Ashes and Dust into the middle of your models, jumping to it with Leviticus to put the scheme markers, and then putting the Dust Storm right in the middle of uh, the Watcher to kill the Watcher. I could have gotten, if that hadn't happened, I could have gotten to six instead of five, or six six instead of four. Um, I'm going full points for plant evidence and one point for protect territory because I only had, or no, for breakthrough because I only had one of them in in the area. Right. And if I had gotten my watcher to move away against this freaking Dust Storm's melee seven, uh, I could have placed one more and gotten full points for it. Yeah, the the Dust Storm ends up a lot of times. I mean, usually like early in the game, Ashes and Dust will split up, and I'll try to reunite it. Late in the game, Ashes and Dust splits up, and I kind of treat it as two more fragile scheme runners to do different Ted, things. I know what I should have done. What's that? I should have moved my Brutal Effigy way up in turn five and then killed it myself. Oh, that would have done it. Nice. Because that he's got to finish the job. You drop the key marker in the breakthrough area, and then you're set. Oh, mistake. Oh, nice. That's one of those those next-level plays that you you always see the really, really good people do. Like, oh, I'm going to kill Yin so that you can't score Distract. Or, oh, I'm going to kill my own Brutal Effigy so he drops his scheme marker right where I need it. Um, I mean, that's a lot of... uh, I know uh, in Molly, particularly, will do a thing where she... Summons a drown outside of range? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kill him and get uh, finish the job. Oh, look, I have a 10... Like you're trading like an 8 of crows or... Yeah. It's yes. it's it finish the job is one of those ones that just has so many weird results, but is a lot of I mean at the end of the game you don't count how many models you have on the table, you count how many scheme markers you have on the table. So anything that can turn one of your models into a scheme yeah. marker. I mean, Karai could do the same thing, right? Where she summons something against the station, she summons a drowned against the station, then she summons a ground a drowned against that drowned. That drowned dies because it takes half its wounds. Ooh. And then there's another one there to be able to do it again. And she can sacrifice the station to get a plus nine to casting, right? So she can do it off of more uh, more cards. Huh. Right. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Next level. Some next level garbage. Right. 
So that was a hell of a game, and yeah. I loved playing against all these super high-level people and feeling like I was at least a little bit in control until my very last game. Um, and that's just because Leviticus is... Leviticus has always sort of been the bait of my Malfo existence. Uh-huh. Um, we had uh, Miles in our, in our Detroit local who would play him a lot. There's someone else who was getting into him when, right when I was leaving, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I see you. That's right. <laughs> but uh, there's um, a few left, and then there's... Uh, yeah, there was another guy. Uh, John, or uh, someone else was playing him, yeah, for a little bit. And then there were a couple yep, of Leviticus players here when I got here, so I felt like I was just going to play nothing but Leviticus forever. Uh, and then people started branching out. That's why you... All kinds of players. Bring McMorning, Rudy. Well, <laughs> I should have. I had the opportunity to as well. I also played a game against yeah. Terra between the tournament days because I was apparently after three games of Malifaux, I could really go for some dinner and another game of Malifaux. Nice. Um, so I played versus uh, Justin. I, uh, he played a Terra. I played uh, Perdita so that I could get another Perdita game out of the way and have an opportunity to play something else in game four or five. I didn't. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I ended up going with Perdita anyway just because I was enjoying her. Um, and I thought ignoring armor against Leviticus would probably be pretty decent. If I was given the opportunity to shoot down a Ashen Core, I probably would have taken it. Mm-hmm. Um, because ignoring four armor is good. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, I still I, I don't regret my decision. Like I think that I think that Ted played the hell out of it. You know, I, I created a good list, and Ted picked out. He did what Leviticus does, which is pick apart the machine, and he picked the best part of the machine first. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the, the things you do with Leviticus, one, you hire, like, models that are can do both scheme running and killing. Two, and waving. Uh, yeah. Two, you take apart the opponent's mechanisms, and three is you have these, like, oh, my goodness, what's happening moments where you pull out a movement trick that you didn't realize you had until you do it. Yep. And those, like, between those three things, that's that's kind of... And then, like, the usual things that you do of, of like, picking easy schemes and, uh, and you know, keeping the tempo of the game. Um. So that was our FCC. Did I play... I, play, I think I, I played a couple of games against Chris. Uh, I did... Oh, no, I played my one game against Chris the, the week before that. Uh, it was Yan Lo versus Victoria's. I don't want to bore you. I tried to do a list with um, Bert to to gather people up for a good whirlwind bombs, but he gave me a pretty decent charge opportunity turn one, and I ended up taking Victoria and Victoria Blood and getting twelve attacks in a two chain activation. Um, and he burned through all of his stones, and I wasn't able to kill Dotsaba or Yan Lo. But I was able to burn through all of the stones and then kill Yan Lo with Bert Jeps in the next turn. Uh, I think I finally I, I beat Chris in that game as well. It was a really fun game. Um, I think it came right down to the end of it. But I just had Vanessa and a librarian on one flank just throwing angry magic at um, Yin. And Dotsuba died pretty early. I got assassinate. What was the other thing? That, oh, it was Madam Sybil was over there. And I kept pitching magic at her too. Um, it was a fun game. It was very, it was very nice. It was like it was so violent in the first, you know, ten minutes. 
and then it just sort of <laughs> he got to move his force out, and I just sort of uh, tried to keep up. Bert's good. Bert is an excellent model. I I'm a, I was enjoying Bert when I was playing Gremlins a lot. He's a lot of fun. Two really good attacks, one in melee, one at range, and I kind of want to throw damage, him in. Yeah. I kind of want to throw him into a um, a Ten Thunders crew at some point because his ability to push damage off onto things like low river monks, uh, combined with a master who could push damage off onto uh, enemy models, would be a lot of fun. Just play this like back, Bert and I don't know, let's say Mei Fang back to back, beating things up, uh, could be a lot of fun. Um, maybe I'll do that when uh, the mechanized pork chops and sparks come out, and just do a Mei Fang meets the Gremlins crossover. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, plus Bert. I like. I keep forgetting that he's a, a mercenary, and he's he's got synergy with a whole bunch of like any crew that wants opponents to bunch up. Yep. He's kind of the way to make them do so. Molly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria's of course. Um, Sonia, I almost took him in my Sonia list yesterday. Rasputina. Anyone who places Blast Temple. I really like the idea of uh, handing off the damage to the Lover Monks is great, though. Yeah. Especially, he, he has a cast, so he's another model that helps them heal. It's like, yeah. Or Illuminated. I mean, if you pass damage off onto an Illuminated, they're just going to regen it back. Yeah. Solid. Hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I played my game against Joe up at the club uh, last week. You can hear all about our, our pre, uh, our before we begin stuff on Dan's podcast, and then I think hopefully we're going to get to record soon. I don't know when. We haven't set up a date about the recap and the talking through it. But well, if you, I, I don't think, think, I don't think I'm supposed to talk about it until after. So. I think if you work with Dan and uh, Joe about setting it up, um, so that he doesn't have to have his computer on in order to record it. I think that's what's sort of blocking up the works for him is because yeah, his computer's if, still out. Well, if either Joe, well, between the three of us, one of us can yeah, record it, I'm sure. Exactly. And make it happen, so. No, it, uh, it was a good game. Uh, like I said, we'll talk more about it then. So. I was Kyrus versus Jan Lowe, so. Look Just forward to it. I haven't played any other games, so. <laughs> I was going to have you spoil well, it and tell us who the winner was, but maybe you don't want to do that even. I don't think I'm supposed to. I don't want to keep it a secret. Uh, right on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You do any hobby? I don't. I, I want Dan to bring me back on his show, so I don't want to lose out. I want to go back on the show at some point <laughs> in time as well, maybe when Season 2 starts up, because there aren't any masters on his list that I've played a lot of. Oh, I mean, I can do Perdita now. I can do... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did do some hobby stuff. I've been working on uh, some some stuff. I got my uh, Kickstarter micro art studio bases in, which are pretty neat. Nice. They're basically like plastic inserts that you can paint up. So I got the graveyard, and I forgot the name of the other one. So I'm, I think I'm gonna start building my Molly crew, my plastics to go on those graveyard bases. I made I I started working on a proxy for Angelica to go with the Dark Carnival box, based off of a, a knuckle duster model, which is a miniature company, U.S. based. Yeah, and they gave out a free Carnival Barker mo- model at a Adepticon for the story encounter, 
So I thought that'd be a good proxy for Angelica. He's got a bullhorn, so it kind of fits. And that'll be really cool with the uh, the dark carnival box when I get that. Uh, when I was when painting I more, also, so. <laughs> and yeah, painting more spaceships blue just because it's easy to do when I'm not uh, feeling like being challenged. I painted and finished spacing my uh, enslaved Nephilim and then used him once, and it was really cool, but then he died really fast because he's really cool. Um, I ended up throwing a little bit of paint on uh, a couple of guild guards and some other stuff. I was just like I, I was excited to get to play and I knew I had some things I needed to finish up to to uh, meet the standards for the entrance. And so I just sort of knocked those things out real quick, but I didn't take a lot of joy in it, I guess. I don't know. I haven't I haven't gotten into painting since I painted a, the Brewmaster crew. Um yeah. Yes. I also yeah. primed a lot of stuff. So got it on bases and primed a bunch of gremlins and yeah. So I'm hoping to get some painting in this week before uh, leaving for Gen Con. So that'll be good. Do you have any announcements about anything that's coming up? Perhaps maybe a, I don't know. Do you want to talk about Gen Con? Do you want to talk? Do you want to plug Gen Con real quick? Or is yeah, it silly if, to plug uh, it at this point? I think. I think there's still a few spots left in the Enforcer Brawls. This is a format I played a couple times. It's a lot of fun. It's gonna be light. It's not a huge long event. It's only you know it's only a couple hours I think. Uh, so fill those spots up. Everything else is sold out. If you want to be on the wait list, get a hold of Joe. Uh, I think he said that there was already a couple people on the uh, for the main uh, gaining grounds tournament. There's already a couple people on the wait list. So. Uh, yeah, let them know. And if not, just come hang out, have fun, play some games. Eric. I'm still not nailed down on when I'm getting there. It's probably going to be late Thursday at this point, maybe hopefully earlier Thursday, but it's uh, it's up in the air because I'm going on a trip with some family before that, and it's like I'm getting back when and when can I leave, and yeah. But yeah. Aaron Sherman says, if you only buy one thing at Gen Con, make sure it's the entire weird product line. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be good. It also, uh, if you didn't notice, the Monday preview recently was the... Uh, Darkness Comes book. Writing. Yes. Yeah, Darkness Comes Writing, so you can take a look at that. Um, that's probably one, uh, along with the Dark Carnival, that's a for sure buy for me, I think, so... The yeah. other announcement I have is we just got done with OFCC. They're looking at changing, uh, thinking about changing updates for breaching the foe for next year. I don't know when that is, but the 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 reason it was called was called wall purchase was because it was during a specific time of year. Now that they're not calling it wall purchase anymore, they can tweak that time of year. And also, it's sort of right in between. Adepticon and Califo, and so they're hoping to move it to the opposite OFCC so that they can sort of space out our regional things and get them sort of yeah. away from the dates of all the stuff, the bigger stuff from, the, from around the country. Um, so make way for yeah, that. that would be nice. And also next week is Portland, Oregon, Beer Lafo. So if you are in or around the Portland area and you want to drink beers and play Malifo, this is a perfect opportunity to do both at the same time. Uh, fear the foe. 
where the, the beer is not. Well, I don't know. There's not a good tagline for it. I should write that sometime. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Beer uh, Josh Calavant. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to shout out to was uh, Adam for hosting Captain Con. It sounds like they had a great time. It was this yeah. last weekend. And then uh, I guess Blaine Williams for winning with Resurrectionists. So go Blaine. McMorning beats Leviticus in final round. Is what I've yeah. heard. Right? Yeah. So. Yep. Could have been you, Rudy, if you brought McMorning. Could have been me. <laughs> McMorning takes second place because Dan is unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. How many tournament points did he... Or victory points, right? Yeah. Did you guys talk about the format there? The victory points? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. We talked about how it was so... And if, if we had if we had gone with TPVP dip, it prob- I probably would have snuck up to third place instead of, um, instead of fourth. But it was... It was functionally similar at the end of it all. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about the format, I think there's kind of one thing that I sort of miss with the format. Um, I Having it be do VP so it's a more casual event totally makes sense to me, and I think it was successful. But given that it was like that, I sort of wish that the game had been round-robin instead of Swiss-style Swiss play against the highest... Uh, like the top ranked people, so that everyone was playing against everyone. Right. Uh, I was really happy I got to play the people who I played, and all super cool people. Um, like uh, Justin, I had only met this time, but other than that, all of the people were people who like I would have wanted to play a game against because they were people I knew and admired and wanted to play with. Mm. Um, but it it kind of would have been neat, I think, to uh, to rotate and just play like lots of people, uh, rather than have it be kind of separated out the whole game, since it's already kind of that, like, not as competitive, not as, like, like intense pressure thing. It would have been kind of neat to have it just be round robin That would have been interesting. And we had 12 people there, so you could potentially, in five games, play almost half of them. Right. But yeah, no, it's 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 it continues to be an interesting format where it, it is both extremely competitive and also extremely friendly. So it's hard to, to sort of back either horse. It was a good time. Mark Hanford did a great job. Uh, prize support was awesome. Uh, they have these cool Ordo Fanaticus beer uh, openers, bottle openers, um, that went to best overall, which was Dan. Best painted, which was I think Jay. Jay? Yeah, Jay. Jay always wins Best Painter. He's a great painter. He does commission work out here. Uh, and Best Sports, who was uh, Not Not Dan, a.k.a. now No Beard Dan, because apparently he and Ray Bannon had a beard off, and the loser was on the hook to shave their beard. We'll see if that actually happens, because they both have very large and uh, fantastic beards. There there seems to have been a whole bunch of side bets in this thing. Um uh, apparently, I got a bounty for beating you in a match. There was a, there was, there was technically a beer bounty uh, where if someone from Ray's area beat me, he would buy them a pitcher of beer next time they went out. Um, there was a cookie bounty on me at Califo, and I think that since you were the only person who actually beat me, beat me at the tournament, he wanted to uh, fulfill on that bounty at least once. Um, 
So uh, for the two tournaments, the two five-round tournaments that we did, um, I paid out three bounties over ten games, and I feel good about that also. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, we, we uh, Ray and I had a moment, and I think that we're maybe trying to bury the hatchet. I'm not super sure. I'm sure there will still obviously be a rivalry there, but maybe the bounties are open. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it's been a good time. I like Ray. I'm sad I didn't get to play Ray because usually uh, he and I play and it's either really close or like we've played I think two or three times now. And the first time was the reason that he was mad at me, and the second time was almost a reason for him to stop being mad at me. But we, we ended up tying, um, so it'd have been nice to play him again. And I'm sure I'll play him again in the future, and I'm looking forward to it because he's hilarious and he's a good sport. Uh, I think that's it for announcements. Yeah. We did hobby. We did yeah, games. Have any... I hope yeah. we do more events out here. Uh, that might be on me to try and organize more events out here, but it's technically Dan's turn. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> we're supposed to be going back and forth. He did one in November. I did one in April. It's his turn. <laughs> I think uh, you should just organize one and not worry about Dan. Just do it for yourself, Rudy. Yeah, I should probably do it. For your own enjoyment. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. I enjoyed I playing my last one. I should one. organize an event, too. Yeah, you yeah. should. <laughs> Give Joe a break after Gen Con. <laughs> cool. Well, then, uh, yeah. for, for for Dan, who had to leave us early, uh, this has been The Snakes for Me, and I'm Rudy. And I'm, and I'm Ted. And I'm Al. Oh, yeah. Ted and Al. And that's it. And I was doing yeah, music. Edit in the thing. The music comes. Oh yeah, the thing. Are we? Yeah, we're we're we've still got one more thing we need to talk about at some okay. point in time. Clean slate. Here we go. And I'm stopping the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mistakes for Made podcast. You can reach us by email at mwmpodcast at gmail dot com, or on Twitter at at mwmpodcast. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. Or <laughs> <Whatever>. more than <than> a week. <laughs> Good night. Good enough. <laughs>